0: Please stand and worship with us. It's just Aren't you glad that while we were sinners, Christ died for us? And every day that we wake up, we should, if we could just comprehend the depth of his love. To give your son to die on the cross for someone like me. For someone like you when we sing that song it just reiterates how much he loves us even though we're not perfect, even though we make mistakes, even though we fail, he loves us how many people are thankful for his love, can we sing that one last time, just that chorus and just let it resonate in your spirit this morning he loves you He loves you. Father, I thank you for your love that's unconditional, never-ending or changing. God, I thank you for your love that you've displayed for us. God, I pray that as we go into your word today, God, may we be reminded of your love, of your grace, and of your mercy. God, I pray that as we continue to Reach out to a lost, hurting world. Father, that you will let us be a testament of your love. When people look at us, may they understand and realize that it's only because of your love that we can walk free. Father, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen. Look at somebody and let them know that you are glad that they're at Gateway Church on this rainy first Sunday in September. It's hard to believe it's the first Sunday of September. Um, Next week, we've been uh, promoting this and talking about it, but next week we will be having uh, what we call game day. And what that is is uh, we all get together and we eat uh, we have uh, we're going to be having food after second service uh, we'll be having uh, we'll have football games and uh, we'll have some games set up for uh, for the kids and and for the adults and uh, it's just a good time to be able to get together and uh, fellowship and uh, so that will be next week and we are looking forward to uh, just being able to to spend a little time together after church uh, I, I i love doing life in circles, and um, when I get to look at you here i'm you're looking at me like this and you're in a row and, and but life is done in circles, and it's done with fellowship and and building relationships and so uh, if you haven't planned on being with us, please uh, plan on it and it's it's a good time. Something else I want to make you aware of and maybe you want to be a part of. Um, this month is uh, Childhood uh, Cancer Awareness Month. And uh, we have a, a young boy that is connected with our church. Uh, some family goes here, and they've actually, um, before he got sick, they were coming. And, um, but he was diagnosed with leukemia, and uh, his name is Jax. And um, so he's been going through treatment, and um, he had this idea. He goes to uh, the Hoops, which is a, a cancer treatment up in Huntington. And uh, every time that, that a child is, gets uh, treatment, uh, they give them a toy or they have snacks for them. And, and so Jack's got an idea, and he said, I would love to be able to give back. He said, they've been so good to me. And uh, so for this month, they are collecting uh, toys, new toys, um, snacks, and, and up until the 27th. And so on the 27th, then they're going to come and collect them, and, and Jack's is going to they're gonna take them to... Uh, the cancer center there in Huntington, and give those, uh, give those donations to uh, the, the cancer center so that they can pass those on to their patients and, and families. And so what we're asking you to do is, if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, I put a post out on our uh, church Facebook page. If you didn't see that, if you, have, uh, if you want some more information, we would be happy to, to tell you we'll have boxes back at the back, and you can bring those, or we'll make uh, arrangements to get whatever it is that, that you would like to, to donate. Uh, but they, they called me and asked me if our church would like to be a part of it. And I said, absolutely. Uh, so that is, we'll be doing that all month if you'd like to participate in that. Last uh, two weeks, we've been talking about the book of Philippians. And we've been looking at how that uh, in order for us to become like Christ, we have to make some strategic decisions. Have you ever looked at someone's life and, and maybe they've got a nice big house and you drive by and you think it must be nice? Anybody ever thought that? Come on, don't lie. Just a little bit of resentment comes up in your heart and it must be nice. Or you look at somebody's marriage and you know you, you and your spouse, you know, you're throwing skilling, uh, skillets at, people, at each other and, and shoes. And then you look at, you know, this perfect couple and you think it must be nice. We look at situations like that and you think, man, they're so blessed. They're so lucky. And we look at it and we think, you know, that they just must be more favored than I am. God must love them more. You ever thought that? God must love them more than he loves me. They're more favored than I am. The reality is that that's not how it works. Things that take place in our lives, often they don't just happen. They come through a series of right choices. And so we've been talking about how that in order for us to become like Christ, we have to make some right choices. It's not by chance. It's not just going to happen. We have to make some choices. The kingdom of God has always been that way. Think about it. Back in the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, God gave Adam and Eve a choice. He said, here's the tree of life. Here's the tree of death. And then he was even nice enough to look at them and say, choose this one. They didn't. They didn't understand or realize that what God had and what God had for them and the choice that he had told them to make was for their best interest. Paul knew what was best. Here he is sitting in Rome, he's writing the prison epistles and and he's writing the book of Philippians to the church at Philippi. And in chapter one, Paul says, now remember the book of Philippians was a book that he was writing to tell them, hey, you're doing a good job. It wasn't a book of reprimand. And so in chapter one, he said, I'm so glad that you've been confident to choose the grace of God. You've been confident to understand that the the one that started a good work in you is going to finish it. He said, even though you might have some stumbles, even though you're going to have some struggles, at the end of the day, it's going to be God that's going to finish writing your story. You may do things that maybe edit the story. Or people may do things to you that you feel, that have edited the story. But in the end, when it's all said and done, Paul said, it's going to be God who finishes it. Last week, we talked about choosing humility. Choosing humility over pride. Why should we choose humility? Well, if we want to be like and follow and model Christ, humility is a must. Because when we look at the life of, of Jesus... He was always choosing to humble himself. The reason that he could humble himself was because he understood who he was. And if we're going to be able to, to do the same, to be like him, to model this humility, we have to understand who we are. Who are we? We are child of the king. We are sons and daughters of the king. There's no, nothing, no title that could be higher or greater than that. So when we can know who we are, then we can go low. When we know who we are, then we can identify with man. When we know who we are, we can obey God. When we know who we are, we don't mind to serve. When we know who we are, we don't mind to sacrifice. Because we understand that on our way down, when we humble ourselves, that God will lift us up. Today, I want to look at chapter 3. And in chapter 3, we're going to talk about choosing to press. I'm not talking about basketball. Choosing to press. The word press is mentioned a couple of times in chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, the first, or in verse 14, it says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. When we look at this word and and we look at the word press, what we understand is is when we press, it's not passive, but it's passionate. Being passive never obtained anything. Paul will tell us about that later on in this chapter. He said, I want to get a hold of the one who got a hold of me. So we define the word press as to steadily apply forward force or weight. Anybody ever go Black Friday shopping? Come on, anybody do it? Listen, how many people you went Black Friday shopping when, when it was really Black Friday shopping? And what I'm saying is, is that, that they've taken all the fun out of it now. I mean, now you go in, and they give you a little ticket, and if you get a ticket, if you just show up, you know, within this certain amount of time, you're going to get your big screen TV. That's horrible. This generation's soft. Listen, when it it was really Black Friday shopping, you got up, you waited in line, you went to Walmart, and you stood in that aisle around those pallets, and they had them all wrapped up and you had your eyes on everyone because you knew that you weren't supposed to open that pallet until the time. And if anybody tried to open that pallet, it was going to be trouble. And so you're standing there and you're waiting for them just to to come through and cut them to to open those pallets. You're going to get the item that you want that that you wanted. You're going to fight for your TV. It didn't matter what you had to do. Listen, I know, we know people who have broken bones on Black Friday trying to get a big screen TV. It was serious. They were going to press. They were going to get that thing that they wanted. Can I tell you that we have an opportunity to get a hold of something even better? We have the opportunity to to get a hold of the one who died for us. We have a chance to embrace the one who saved us, who allows us to walk in freedom. And so when we look at the book, the chapter 3 of Philippians, there are some things that we have to understand and we need to realize that we're going to have to press through. If we're going to get everything that God has for us, we have to press through. But in order for us to do that, we have to ask ourselves the question, do we really want to obtain all that God has for us? Do we really want to obtain it? Or are we satisfied living the way we're living right now? If you decide that you want to get in the best shape of your life, you're going to have to press. Sometimes you may press a little bit and think, well, maybe I don't look so bad after all. That's too hard. It can't be that way when it comes to Christ. Christ said, if you want to get everything that I have for you, you're going to have to press through some things. Paul says the first thing that we have to do is we have to press past religion. Press past religion. In the first verse of chapter 3 of Philippians, Paul basically says, listen, I want to protect you from religion. Because Paul understood what it was like to be religious. He said, I thought I was someone, you know, I was circumcised on the eighth day, which was a a big deal to the Jews. I I was the stock of Israel. He said, I was doing all the things, the, the religious things that I thought I was supposed to do. But then in verse 7, he writes this. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul said, I did everything right on the outside. But there was a problem. I didn't know God. I didn't know God. He said, I was so steeped in religion, but I didn't really know him. We look at our world today and we look at the church today and we think, is that where we are? There are people who they do all the right things. There's some of you sitting here this morning, you're thinking, man, I got up on a Sunday morning, I braved the weather, and I'm sitting here, I've done the right things. But do you really know him? Do you really know him? We find ourselves doing all the right things. Paul said, I was doing all the right things, but then one day he captured my heart. One day he captured my heart and then everything changed. Why? Because I started going after. I wanted to get a hold of the one who had a hold of me. You see, religion has a way of of getting us to try to to impress God without having a real relationship with God. We're not here to to impress. We're not here to to, to show off our righteousness. But what we should be seeking is a real encounter with Him. Verse 9 says this, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And can I tell you that that your righteousness and, and your relationship with him is by faith, it's not by religion. It's the righteousness that comes from God by faith. Everything that comes into your life comes from God by faith. Your salvation came from God by faith. When you need a job, it's gonna come from God by faith. When you're sick and you need healing, it's going to come from God by faith. Everything in your life comes from God by faith. But you know what happens? You've done it, I've done it, if we're just being honest. Something happens and we fall into a crisis. Things start going wrong in our life. And in that moment, we believe that we have to do something extra to receive from God. You, you think, I, I need something from God, so I've got to do something to get something. I'm going to start reading my Bible more. I'm going to start praying more. I'm going to come to church every time the doors are open. Now listen, all those things are necessary and they're good. But the moment that we think that it's those things that's going to to cause this crisis to go away, there's nothing we can do in ourselves. Everything that comes into our life is by God through faith. You say, well, something's going wrong, I'm going to serve. I'm going to sacrifice. And that's the way we're trained. We think that, that, that if, if we're going to receive, that we have to, to do something. We think that if we have to add to the sacrifice of Jesus to get something. Can I tell you, you don't have to add to the sacrifice it's complete. All you have to do is believe in it. And the same faith that saves us, that heals us, that opens doors for us, that brings us uh, someone special into our life, it's all from God and it's all from, by faith. And in our minds, we think that we have to do something. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is between the prophets of Baal and, and Elijah. And so in the book of Kings, we, we see in how that they're having this showdown. They're wanting to see whose God will answer. And so you have all these 800 prophets of Baal. You have them up there, and they think that their God's going to answer. So Elijah says, you go ahead and go first. And so they get up and they they start doing all these things. And and 1 Kings chapter 18 tells us they cut themselves with knives, but their God did not answer or regard them. So here they were. They thought that for their God they had to do something in order to receive. And the Bible tells us that Elijah just got up and he just prayed. He prayed by faith, and it happened. sacrifices were consumed. The water was consumed. Everything on the altar was consumed. What did Elijah have to do? He just had to have faith. But There's something about religion that feels like that, that we have to add something to the sacrifice in order to get God to respond. Listen, the greatest sacrifice has already been made. All we have to do, do is believe in it. We have to press past Religion. The Bible Bible tells us to approach the throne of grace. It doesn't say anything about approaching the throne of law and trying to impress God. He says, you just come to me and I will do for you what I did for you when I saved you. Through faith, you can receive. The second thing we have to press past, we have to press past our flesh. We have to press past our flesh. Listen, our flesh... Loves to be soothed and pampered. But in verse 10, Paul says this. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. What could possess Paul to write something like this? He said, I want to know Christ, and I want to know what it was like in his sufferings, and I want to become like him even the way he was in his death. Why could and how could Paul write that? It's because Paul understood and realized that suffering wasn't a penalty, but it was a privilege. He understood that suffering is an invitation. Real victory comes when we understand how He suffered and how He denied His flesh and how that we must do the same. We have to die to our flesh. We have to die to ourself. When we do that, we get to experience this great invitation that He calls resurrection. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. He said, if we endure, we will always reign with Him. If we disown Him, we will also, He will also disown us. Listen, when I read the Bible and, and I see everything and I think, yes, I want to reign with Him. I mean, who wouldn't want to, to, be, to reign? But then we begin to understand and realize that we have to go through some suffering. You'll never be victorious until you deny your flesh, until you die to yourself. And the Bible says that, that he that looks to, to save his life will actually lose it. If you always yield to your flesh, you're going to live defeated. The people that live defeated are the people who yield to their flesh instead of dying to it. Let's think about it. I I have people come to me, you know, Pastor, I'm struggling here, and, you know, I'm I'm going through this, and I'm going through that. And and then then you begin to to look at their lives, and it's right, they're not reigning, they're being defeated. Why is that? It's because they're not dying to themselves. They're not yielding to their flesh. It's shown in the first and last temptation of Jesus. First temptation of Jesus, the devil said, Turn this stone into bread. In other words, he was saying, Satisfy your flesh. Jesus said, My flesh can't satisfy me. What he actually said was, Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. The enemy will tell you that your flesh can satisfy you, and it's a lie. Your flesh can never satisfy you. Your flesh will actually defeat you. And when Jesus was tempted, he understood that it wouldn't satisfy him. The last temptation of Jesus was... When they said, if you're really the Christ, come down from the cross and save yourself. He didn't save himself. He died to himself. He had the power to come off the cross, but he didn't. He had the power to turn the stone into bread, but he didn't. You look at your life or I look at my life. Do we have the power to satisfy our flesh? Yes, we do. Do we have the power to to save ourselves? Yes, we do. We can save ourselves from being an outcast or maybe being looked at as, oh, that's one of those Christians. I mean, you look at Peter. Peter had the power to save himself, and he did. They came to him and said, aren't you? And he said, no, not me. I don't know who you're talking about. He denied Christ instead of denying himself. And Paul is telling us if you're ever going to get, if you're going to get to what God has for you, you have to be willing to press past. You have to keep pressing. You have to press past religion. You have to press past your flesh. The third thing we have to press past is we have to press past our past. Press past my past. If I were to ask you, how many people have something in your past that either embarrasses you, that you're ashamed of, or that you live with guilt? I'm sure that, now there probably would be one smart aleck that wouldn't raise their hand, but everybody that's telling the truth, you would raise your hand. You would say, yeah, there's, you know, I I really shouldn't have cut that guy off in traffic because I didn't like his bumper sticker. We all have things in our past. We all have things that that we're embarrassed of, that we're ashamed of. We have things that that we we lay down at night and, and we feel guilty about. But if we're ever going to obtain all that God has for us, we have to learn to press past it. Verse 12 and 13. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all of this. Or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. He said, I press on. I press on. You will never reach your destiny looking through the rearview mirror. Anybody ever, ever, anybody ever tried to drive with just using your rear-view mirror? Hopefully nobody raises your hand. Except one smart Alec. But the rear-view mirror is there just so that every now and then you could glance up. When you hear, you know, you're speeding and you hear those sirens... And you look up and you see the blue lights, and so you're look, watching your rearview mirror, or you've been speeding. This is the, even the best. <clears throat> How many people hate it when, when a, a police officer just gets behind you and rides behind you? Man, it makes you so nervous, doesn't it? You're sitting there and, you're, and you just keep, you, you're not really watching what's ahead of you because you're watching him and you're thinking, and, and you slow down, hoping he'll go around you. And, and so then everything starts going through your mind, and you're like, okay, he's running my license plate right now. I hope he didn't see me on my phone. That's no way to live. It's no way to drive. There's a reason that that big windshield is so much bigger than that little rear view mirror. It's because we are supposed to live our lives looking forward. Yes, the rear view mirror is there. And it's important every now and then to glance up at it because it'll remind us what's behind us. We never want to forget completely what's behind us because we can learn from it, but we can't live in it, and it doesn't define us. And if we're ever going to get, if we're going to reach our destiny, we can't sit around feeling sorry for ourselves. We can't sit around living in shame and guilt. The old saying says, we can't cry over spilt milk. What does that mean? That means that There's nothing you can do about it. It's over. It's done. Clean it up and go on. Living in regret is not an option. We look at Paul. And I believe that Paul, we can take him as an authority on this because we know what his past was like. He had a horrible and a harmful past. Paul wounded Christ. He wounded the church. And it bothered Paul. He grieved over it. And one day God said, okay, that's enough. He said, my grace draws a line. He said, that was then and this is now. It's time to stop living in it. It's through grace. There's two realities that are true of our past. The first thing is is that you, you, you can't make up for it. You can't make up for it. And the second thing that we can't do is we can't keep waiting for it to catch up to us. You can't make it up for it. You can't undo it. And you can't always live your life waiting for it to creep up from behind you. Because when that happens, then you live your life always looking backward. You're not pressing forward You're not pressing toward the mark of the high calling, as Paul says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 15. It says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Listen, I know what I've done in my past. You know what you've done in your past, and God knows what you've done in your past. But by the grace of God, we have a future. We've all made mistakes. But by the grace of God, we have to move forward. By the grace of God, we have to understand that he that began a good work in me will complete it. He knew you before you came to him. He knew you when you were in your mother's womb. He knows how you messed up since you have accepted him as Savior. But he says, it's not by good works, but it's by my grace. You may be sitting here today, and you may be thinking, man, my past is just so bad. I talk to people on a weekly basis. I'm like, hey, you know, why don't you come be with us on Sunday? If I had a nickel for every time someone would look at me and say, if I walked in those church doors, the building would crumble around me as a matter of fact as I look across this auditorium this morning there's probably a couple of you who told me that a long time ago and I always love that because the first time that they walk in I'm like look the building's still standing but there's people who live their life that way God said you don't have to live worrying about thinking about your past he said, "If you want, because Paul would have never gotten all that God had for him if he would have done that." But he said, "I press, I press, I press." Lastly, we have to press past our present. You think that's strange? What do you mean, Pastor? What I mean is, is that no matter what our situation is right now. We have to press past it. You may be sitting here this morning. You may think I'm living my best life. You know, everything is great. Got a great job. We got a great family. Everything is just awesome. You got to press past that. What do you mean? What I'm saying is, is that no matter what our situation is, we have to understand that this is not the goal. This is not the end. Paul said in chapter 1, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He was not only thinking about his present, but he was thinking about his eternity. And sometimes we can get so satisfied with where we are that we forget about where we're going. We get so satisfied with what we have in our lives that we don't press toward what God has for us. We have to ask ourselves this question. Do we really believe Christ is coming back? Do we really believe that heaven is a real place? Do we really believe that our life, our best life, is yet to come with Him? You see, we will be able to experience things then that we cannot experience here on earth. I love America. I know we have some issues, but I still think it's the greatest planet. Yeah, the greatest planet. The greatest country on this planet. But here's something I have to understand. I'm not a citizen of America first. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. He's saying, listen, I'm a citizen of heaven. And when we get to heaven, we're going to have rights and privileges that we don't have here. We have a lot of rights and privileges living in this country. We want to go to a ball game, we go to a ball game. If we, Whatever, we have rights and we have privileges. But can I tell you that the rights and privileges that we have here do not compare to what we have in heaven. In heaven, we have the right to be with the resurrected Christ. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When we get to heaven, we won't have to worry about religion anymore. We won't have anybody fighting over whether Adam had a belly button or not. We won't be fighting over doctrine or or denomination. When we get to heaven, we won't be battling over any of that. When we get to heaven, we'll have a resurrected body. How many people with weather like this, it just it makes your body ache? Anybody? I had somebody tell me this morning, they said I didn't even have to look outside to know it was raining because my bones hurt, my joints hurt. I turned 48 on Friday, and it hurts even to say that. My back hurts, my head hurts. Never had a broken foot, but I'm sure it would hurt too. Been told that it does. But when I get to heaven, I won't have to worry about my flesh because I have a resurrected body. When I get to heaven, I'll have a resurrected life. It says He'll wipe away every tear, your shame. Your guilt, your past. I won't have to worry about pressing past religion because I'll be with a resurrected Christ. I won't have to worry about my flesh because I'll have a resurrected body. I won't have to worry about my past because I have a resurrected life. Those are the privileges and the rights. Citizens of heaven. The enemy wants to do everything that he can to keep you and to keep me from obtaining all that God has for us. Everything that came Paul's way, Was because the enemy wanted to keep him from obtaining all that Christ had. The things and the sufferings and the situations that you go through. The things that try to make you doubt. That there's a God who loves you. And there's a God that has your best interest at heart. And that there's a God that has something greater for you than you could ever hope, dream, or imagine. There's going to be times in your life that you want to throw up your hands and that you want to quit. There's going to be times that you become frustrated and you think, it doesn't matter. I'm not doing any good. Things aren't changing. Listen, there's nothing more frustrating than say, this week I'm going to watch what I eat. I'm going to do the right things. I'm going to make the right choices. Then you get on the scale and you've gained two pounds. You want to throw up your hands and you want to quit. Same thing happens in our spiritual life. We feel like we're doing all the right things, but it doesn't seem like anything's changing. And in that moment, you have a couple of choices. Two to be exact. You can quit or you can press. You can stop or you can keep going. And what Paul is saying to us in this third chapter of Philippians is <coughs> he's saying I choose to press. He had the opportunity to quit. you read his story after he came to Christ. I mean he's writing these from prison. He could have just sat right there in his chains and just died. I'm done. I'm finished. That's what the enemy wants, and that's what the enemy wants out of you. But the Holy Spirit through Paul was saying, press on. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop. from God by faith what does faith mean faith means that you are not living by what you see With every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here this morning and you say Pastor I really want what God has for me I want to obtain it but I'm at a point in my life right now that I'm tired. I'm weary. I don't feel like I can go on. I'm hurt. That's you almost used to slip up your. trying to do all the right things. But at the end of the day, I feel so unfulfilled. Anyone else? Thank you. God wants you to know that yourself you do not have the strength to go on but this morning he wants you to know that he's fighting for you he's walking with you he sees right where you are he knows in those moments that you feel like quitting he says press press as they begin to sing if you raised your hand I'm going to ask you to join us at this altar we're going to pray with you we're going to believe with you God has put people in your life who care and they're standing right around you. They always talk about when you're working out how that it's so important to have a a workout partner. Why is that? It's because there's going to be times that you want to quit. There's going to be times that you want to give up. There's going to be times that you just want to go to the donut shop and be done with it all. But they're right there in your ear and they're saying, Keep going. Don't stop. And that's who we want to be. We want to walk with you. We want to pray with you. We want to be that partner that helps you keep pressing. Why? Because we want you to have the best life with Christ. So if you raised your hand as they begin to sing and as I pray, I'm going to ask you, don't hesitate. Come and stand at this altar and kneel at this altar and let us pray with you. Let us help you press through what you're going through. Father, I come before you right now and God, I thank you for every person that raised their hand in this auditorium today. God, you see right where everyone is. You see what they're going through. You know their hurts. You know their struggles. You know what the enemy is hitting them with. What he's telling them. Father, right now, I pray that you will break every chain. God, every moment, That we feel like that we want to stop, that we want to give up, that we want to quit. Father, I pray that we press, that we press. God, that you give us the strength to keep going. God, Father, I'm believing. God, that there's going to be people today that press on, that keep pressing. That keep going. Father, I pray God for those who are sitting here today. God who are hurting, who don't understand why they're going through what they're going through. God, allow them to know that you're with them. God that you care. God that you want nothing more for them than what's best. But God, it doesn't happen by chance. God we have to make the choice to keep pressing to not give up God thank you for your love
1: And he is our prize Drawn to redemption By the grace in his eyes If his grace is an ocean We're all sinking And heaven meets earth Like a sloppy wet kiss And my heart turns violently Inside of my chest I don't have time i Don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way he loves us. You declare that this morning. Oh, how he loves us. Regardless of what you feel,
0: oh, he loves how you.
1: He loves us. Oh, how
0: he loves us. Father, I'm so thankful for your love. God, I'm so thankful that you loved us while we were yet sinners. God, I pray that as we go through our day and through our week. God, that when the enemy tempts us to try to make us believe that we're all alone, God, remind us of your love. Father, as we leave this place today, may we go knowing that in order to obtain what you have for us, God, we have to keep pressing. In the name of Jesus, amen.